Today's Bible reading is from Hebrews chapter 9. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was prepared. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, containing the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark were the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been prepared in this way, the priests entered regularly into the first room to perform their sacred duties. But only the high priest entered the second room, and then only once a year and never without blood which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By this arrangement, the Holy Spirit was showing that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed, as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. It is an illustration for the present time, because the gifts and sacrifices being offered were unable to cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. They consist only in food and drink and special washings, external regulations imposed until the time of reform. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that have come, he went through a greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made by hands and is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that their bodies are clean, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, purify our consciences from works of death so that we may serve the living God. Therefore, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died to redeem them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And in the case of the will, it is necessary to establish the death of the one who made it, because a will does not take effect until the one who made it has died. It cannot be executed while he is still alive. That is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. For when Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll in all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood the tabernacle and all the vessels used in worship. According to the law, in fact, nearly everything must be purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made copy of the true sanctuary, but he entered heaven itself, now to appear on our behalf in the presence of God. 
Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all, at the end of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is appointed to die once, and after that, to face judgment, so also Christ was offered once, to bear the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who eagerly await him. And this is God's word. Hebrews 9 continued the argument that Christ was better than the Old Testament sacrificial system. The author of Hebrews presented a tight argument comparing the sacrificial system under the Old Covenant in verses 1 through 10 and the New Covenant Christ had set up and mediated in verses 11 through 28. The key point of this chapter is that Christ's death on the cross accomplished the New Covenant. The blood of his sacrifice was offered in heaven, not on earth, according to verses 11 through 14. And it purified everything, including us, according to verses 15 through 28. This is why the sacrificial system revealed by Moses is no longer necessary. Christ's redemption was better and brought that old system to an end. One of the key takeaways from this chapter for us is that Christ's death accomplished something for us spiritually, that the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament law never could. In verse 13, the author of Hebrews mentioned that the blood from those animal sacrifices had to be sprinkled on the people to make them ceremonially clean. That process was described in Numbers 19 and was used on someone who touched a dead body. But in verse 14, the author of Hebrews argues that the blood of Christ removed the works of death from our conscience. In other words, it gives us true relief from the guilt of our sins. Yes, it is true that the wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6.23. But Hebrews 9.14 says that Christ's death cleanses our conscience from those works that lead to death. In other words, sin. Are you tormented by guilt for the sins you've committed during your life? Don't be if you're in Christ. Not because those sins were not wicked, but because if you are in Christ, they are fully forgiven. Your past has been redeemed in him. So now you have the freedom of conscience to live and serve the Lord. Let this truth encourage you and let it help you to live for the Lord today. We'll see you next time.